0: Now. Yes, a hundred and eighty. When the roll is called up yonder. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks, eternal bright and fair. The Savior shall gather over on the other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is and cloudless morning when the dead in christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen one shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the role is called up yonder Roll us all up yonder, I'll be there. I will have Pastor come up, do announcements.
1: All right, well it is good to be here this morning. It's good to have a full house today. We arranged the seats a little bit differently, so sorry if that threw a curve ball, but they were all out of here. We brought them all in, we tried something different. Uh, So I think it makes a little better for your space back there, so hopefully that works out well for us Uh, but it is good to be here a couple of things Um, family camp September 13th through 16th so that'll be here if you're registered registration closed on Thursday so um, you know hopefully some folks were able to get in on that Um, also ladies meeting uh, I was gonna say February but it's not February it would be September 11th there we go Wow. Uh, so if you're a lady, you're welcome to come to the ladies meeting and that'll be at 6 p.m. Feb- uh, there I go again, September 11th right here on the property. And then men's prayer breakfast will be the last Saturday of the month. Uh, I think it plans on September 30th uh, and that'll be at 7.30 a.m. So if you're a man, then we'd love to have you at men's prayer breakfast. So um, I think... That is the vast majority of the announcements. I will share this this afternoon, so our schedule's gonna look a little different today. Usually we have lunch next door, fellowship lunch, and then we come back for our afternoon study. Uh, We've been studying revelations on Sunday afternoon. This week we are gonna do something different. We are going to have lunch after the morning service. Leftovers from our week, so there's plenty of food. Hopefully uh, you didn't go and cook too much. Uh, So we'll have that. And then after the lunch time, we are going to head to Bowler Pond in Palermo, right on Level Hill Road, and have some baptisms. So we have three uh, baptisms lined up. Uh, We have Miss Alberta. going to be baptized. You don't have to stay. I was like, okay. <laughs> the way you lean forward, I'm like, no, I mean, you can't. You don't have them. <laughs> don't
0: embarrass me. <laughs> so, we
1: have Miss Alberta, and then we have Bruce and Marlene. We'll all be getting that time. Don't stand. So. Yeah, you don't need to stand either. I'm not sure. your you'll get your moment of fame, and then you'll get back. So <laughs> we'll, that will be good. Don't forget to bring it back up. Uh, so I pray, if you're able to, you can come, come and be a part of that. It'll be a blessing. And, uh, uh, you know, no doubt God is in that. So this morning what I'm going to do, something a little different, we've been working through the book of Ephesians. That was, I, I spent several hours preparing the next Ephesians message, and then I was praying about it, and I said, you know, I really should cover baptism. I like to cover baptism when we have folks who are going to get baptized, because we live up in the Northeast and there's a lot of confusion as to what baptism is, as to why we get baptized, how we get baptized, all that fun stuff. So that will be my plan for this morning is to cover the doctrine of baptism mm-hmm. and uh, you know the whys and all that good stuff. So prayerfully that will be a help to some. It's probably gonna be very familiar to several people, um, but I always like to just give clarity and make sure we all understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. And uh, you know, maybe I won't do that every time we baptize folks, but especially when we're baptizing adults, I like to, uh, you know, kids are a little, you know, they're, not, they're not as confused as us, it's interesting, but kids are not as confused as us adults sometimes <laughs> because they've been raised and taught right from the start. If they've been raised in a good church that teaches right Bible doctrine, But a lot of times, adults have lived a lot more and have had many more influences in their lives. And uh, we're not always raised in a good, solid church that teaches right doctrine. So, you know, we just want to use the Bible and just clear some things up and make sure that we understand what's happening. So uh, I think that is all I have for announcements. So ushers, if you guys want to come on down. Caleb, can you pray for the offering button? Yes,
0: sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Please bless your offering, Lord. Please lead the pastor to the message that he's prepared for us, Lord. Please um, move your spirit through us today, Lord, and bless our hearts with the message, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please, if you will, if you can, hop back up on your feet and turn your inbox to 158. 158. It's funny, nobody literally hopped up back on your feet. Yeah, 158. In the sweet by and by. We'll have a pastor come, we'll come up and preach to us. First, of all, we a special,
1: uh, one you've already heard this past week, but I said, well, we can't go five days with s- several specials a day and then come to church on Sunday and not have at least one, so <laughs> we're going to do this one for you again. It's called Worry Ends Where Faith. Up this is kind of important. Damn. All right. You know, I was thinking about that song this morning while I was getting ready for church and thinking about just decisions that we had to make recently as a family and that we have to make coming up and just all these different things. And you know, if I'm honest, over the last several weeks. I've lost sleep over things I've been stressed about and and having to make decisions about and all that fun stuff. And, and uh, you know, I pray about them, and then I get to a place where I say, all right, I'm just going to give it to the Lord. And then what the chorus of that song says, leave it there. That's the trick, because, yes, we so frequently come to the conclusion where it's like, okay, I just got to give this to the Lord. I got to trust him with it. And then a day later, or maybe that next night while you're trying to sleep, or several days later, we start stressing over something we just gave to the Lord a couple days ago. So when we give it to Him, we just got to leave it with Him. And uh, that can be a real challenge for us. That can be a struggle. But it is, it is a great truth that when we give it to Him, first off, we just got to give it to Him. We got to give our cares to Him. We got to let Him have those things in our lives, those decisions, pray over them and trust the Lord with them. All right, Acts chapter number 8 is where we're going to be. The, the book of Acts chapter number 8. The, the book of Acts is a unique, it's a unique book. It's a historical book. It records uh, the early stages of the church where it began and then uh, up on through some transition that takes place. I believe in the early part of Acts, the kingdom is still being offered to Israel, but it's still rejected by Israel, and then we roll into full-blown church age or church time, whatever you want to call it, uh, and so sometimes there are things that take place in the book of Acts, now all scripture is profitable for a doctrine, for a proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, right? We understand that. But there are sections of scripture where maybe this particular thing is doctrine, but it might not be doctrine for the church. It might have been doctrine for Israel or for a different period of time. And, and the unique thing about the book of Acts may have been doctrine for the first century or for the apostolic church before the apostles were passed on. So there are things that take place in the book of Acts that we don't see happening in the church now like some of the signed gifts in particular. Uh, Those don't exist any longer. Uh, So I say that to say we may touch on some things, and I'm not going to have time to uh, go through and work through everything we might see that could cause us to go, what? They were speaking in tongues? What is that? Why don't we speak in tongues? We're not going to get into all that today. Uh, But just I'm going to tell you now, I don't know if it'll come out again when when we read this, but... The sign gifts, for instance, speaking in tongues, is something that has ceased, according to Corinthians. It is no longer taking place. Um, So, uh, anyways, God used it for a time, particularly during the time where, uh, you know, the church was in its early stages, and the emphasis was on trying to get Jews to come to Christ. What does the Bible say? A certain group of people require a sign. Anybody know who that group is? Right, Jews require a sign. Therein were the sign gifts used. Uh, Now when that which is perfect is come, I believe it's talking about the Word of God. Uh, We have the Word of God in its complete entirety. It has been all penned down, it has been all preserved, so the sign gifts proved those people who were recording the Word of God, that they were, in fact, God's God's men. And uh, now we have, <coughs> excuse me, the Word of God. We don't need those sign gifts anymore. One more little disclaimer. If you hear me cough, I'm not sick. Uh, I'm dealing with some acid from, yesterday. I did have ice cream yesterday. That's probably not helping, but honestly, <laughs> the food that I've eaten over the last week during the meeting and everything, and then... We've got this coffee that was seemed to be really low acidity, but all of a sudden, the last several days, maybe it's a mixture of that and the food, uh, it's been really irritating my esophagus. So I just don't want people to panic. I'm not passing germs. It is, it is acid. I can feel it burning right now. So that's what's going on. Don't, don't panic if you hear me cough. I don't have the Rona. It is not a thing for me right now. All right, Acts chapter number 8. Let's go ahead and stand together. We'll read some scripture, and then we will pray and be seated. Acts chapter number 8, verses 26 down through verse 40. This is probably familiar for some, maybe not so much for others. Uh, Prayerfully, it'll be somewhat familiar by the time we're done. All right, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep (coughs) to the slaughter, (laughs) and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for uh, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered uh, answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, well, we're not supposed to read this one, but that's okay. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, the opportunity we have to study the Scriptures Help us, Lord, as we consider the doctrine of baptism and exactly what it is that you have for us this morning. I pray that you would help us to uh, have clarity as to what the doctrine of baptism, what baptism actually is. Help us to have clarity as to why we are baptized and how we're baptized. Lord, we just want uh, you to be honored and glorified, not just in the message, but in what we do today including the baptisms. And I just pray, Father, that you'll help us, that you'll bless all those involved and all those that are here today. And we look forward to what you have for us. We love you. We ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. We don't have a screen today. Forgive me. I, I worked on... Did I say dismissed? You may be seated. Don't go. Don't go. Wow. <laughs> <coughs> boy, oh boy. I was doing this, well, actually, remember earlier when I said February 11th? Okay. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <coughs> I drank a lot of coffee today, too. I don't, maybe I need some more water. I don't know what is going on. My brain is just. Remember how I said losing sleep over things? Yeah. So I wasn't going to tell you this, but I guess I'll just quickly. So I was offered an opportunity on February 11th to go to Israel for two weeks. So it's something I'm praying about, but I've only got a few days to make the decision. So I've been losing sleep over this thing. And last night I was tossing and turning for several hours, praying and just asking the Lord for clarity. And uh, But that's why February 11th keeps coming out when I'm supposed to be saying September 11th is because I guess that is on my mind. But. Uh, So if you think to, pray about that for me, uh, that the Lord would just give me clarity, because I've committed to make the final decision in the next couple of days. So uh, anyways, uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right, Acts chapter number 8. We just read verse 26 to 40. So I already told you we're going to talk about baptism. There is a lot in the Scriptures about this doctrine. There's a lot in the Word of God about the truth or about... Uh, you know what baptism is we don't have time to get into all of it today but there's more than one baptism mentioned in the Word of God Um, and because of that there's some confusion that that results in some confusion because every time we see the word baptize or baptism we think it's all the same thing but it's actually not necessarily the same thing Um, so uh, maybe I should have covered all that today but we're not gonna anyway (laughs) Just for sake of time, we're focusing on the baptism that we are practicing here this morning. Now, uh, just quickly, there's one. uh, When we get saved, the Bible says we're baptized by the Holy Ghost. Uh, So there's one baptism that the Bible talks about. Um, After we're saved, we follow the Lord in believer's baptism. That's what we're really focusing on today, is believer's baptism. Now, I already mentioned, because we live in the Northeast, there's a lot of confusion. There is... Uh, A heavy Catholic uh, influence up in this part of the country. Uh, There's a heavy, you know, Protestant, you know, whether it be Lutheran or Methodist or uh, Presbyterian, not so much. But uh, we do see some of those other denominations having a uh, influence here in what we believe and what we understand. And they teach some wrong doctrines about baptism. They teach that it is necessary for salvation, that it's a sacrament, and that you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven someday. It's not biblical. It's not true. They also teach sprinkling, so they don't teach baptism by immersion. They teach, uh, you know, whether it be pouring water out of a bowl or sprinkling it on the forehead, that that is baptism. That's not biblical baptism. I'll maybe think to mention it, but I'll just say it now. One of the reasons for that, we'll look at what baptism pictures. It pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's the whole purpose of the going down in. It's not so that we're made clean by the waters. It is to picture what has happened inside, outwardly, and publicly in front of the people who are there as witnesses. So uh, we'll talk about that a little more probably. But, um, so we baptize by immersion. And so we get all wet, fully wet. I say we, but I won't hopefully get all wet today, but some people will. Uh, (laughs) I might, you never know. So in our text this morning, (coughs) among some others, we'll see the purpose and mode for baptism and hopefully uh, get some clarity on these things. So who is baptized? We already read verses 26 down through the end of the chapter, uh, but if you remember, Philip preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was one of the uh, men that were called deacons there in the early church, and he was traveling from one place to another, led by the Spirit, to go pull up next to this man, uh, and uh, he goes over next to the Ethiopian eunuch and sees that he's reading the Word of God. He's reading Scripture, specifically out of the book of Isaiah. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Not frequently a place that is Uh, looked at as, well, if I'm going to lead someone to Christ, I'm going to take them to the book of Isaiah. Not usually, but at this point in time, they didn't have the New Testament all penned down. So it's as good a place as any. It speaks about Christ. It's prophetic in talking about Christ. So uh, that's where the Ethiopian eunuch is reading. God has Philip go stand next to him, go pull up next to him and start expounding, explaining to him what the scriptures mean. So he does this in Isaiah. If you hold your place in Acts, but turn over to Isaiah 53. This is the scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Isaiah chapter 53. And we'll begin in verse number one. (coughs) It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him, this is speaking about Christ, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So. We're going to read a little further, but when Christ was here on the earth, this was speaking hundreds of years before Christ was ever born, when Christ would be on the earth, he was not going to be, uh, look like some kind of supermodel or some kind of, uh, he wasn't going to be attractive in the sense that people would see him and be like, wow, look at that guy. He's talking, I'm going to go hear what he has to say. You know, the, he wasn't going to be physically so that people would be drawn to him. Uh, just, that was God's plan. He didn't want it to be skin deep. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we s- esteemed him not. How much more despised can you get than to, be re- than to be crucified by the very people that you've come to minister to? I mean, you can't get much more despised and rejected than that, than to be murdered by them. Verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So he was beaten, he was scourged, that is to be whipped across his back. Those are the stripes, the bruising. He was beaten. His beard was plucked from his face. The crown of thorns pressed upon his head. I mean, he went through it all. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, we can keep going, but we won't for right now. So Christ, this is the passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading when Philip pulls up next to him, comes over to him, and begins sharing or expounding or explaining to him the Scriptures that he's reading. If you remember in our text, when he, uh, in verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man, should guide me? You know, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? So that's exactly what he did. This gave him the opportunity to learn what the passage is speaking about. It was speaking about Christ, him coming, him paying the sacrifice for our sins so that one could be saved, could be born again, can be redeemed. So you know what the Bible says about salvation and how many ways there are to receive it? Well, John chapter 14. Whoops. We're going to look at two quick verses. John chapter 14, verse number 6. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, uh, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There we go. So notice he says that he is the way. What does that mean about it's clearly saying it's a singular thing, right? The way, there's only one. I am the way, the truth, again, there's only one, and the life, only one. No man, not one, cometh unto the Father but by me, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one. He's the only way through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that we just read about over in Isaiah. It is the only way to the Father, to heaven. All right, Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. Verse number 12, both of these verses probably several people have memorized, but we're going to turn to them anyways. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What is that name? We know that it is Jesus Christ. He is the only way to salvation. So, uh, you know, that's pretty clear in the Word of God. We could turn to other passages, but I don't want to labor this one point all day long. Uh, we, I think we get the gist here. So, back in Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 39, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. All right? There is, there is examination point number one. What's the next one? There isn't one. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, he answered that question with a clear statement of what he believes, which is what Peter was telling him he had to know before he baptized I need to know that you believe with all your heart. The answer, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So, the one requirement was that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch believe with all his heart that Jesus is the Son of God. That was what he required, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, I know we've already talked about the fact that salvation, uh, well, I'm sorry, that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Um Some might ask this one, we used to have a a gentleman in our church, turn over to John chapter 3 with me, we used to have a gentleman in our church whose uh, wife was a devout Catholic and this was their key text for saying that baptism was required for salvation. says, beginning in verse number one, down through seven, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, real quick, before I go any further, my goal is not to bash on other religions. I'm not trying to bash on Catholics. I'm simply saying Catholics have a strong influence here. So a lot of people here have a Catholic background. So I'm not trying to bash on Catholicism, I'm simply trying to take their wrong teaching, in this instance, and just give us clarity as to what the Bible says about it. Um, So that's my goal, so I just, uh, you know, we're not, I'm not Catholic, I was, when I was born, my parents were practicing Catholics, uh, but praise God, they got saved and now we're, we're Bible believers, we're Baptists. All right, so it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know, uh, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Here's where the confusion starts to come in. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We'll touch on that in a moment. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Okay. So, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, clearly that must be baptism, right? I mean, that's what is often taught, and that is where the confusion lies about this passage. But as the Scripture continues, it explains a little further what it actually means. We have water... And we have spirit in the very next verse, that which is born of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit. So we have it explained in the next verse. Being born of the water is not talking about baptism. It's talking about the natural birth that every human goes through. What is is stated or what, what happens at birth? A woman's something breaks, right? Water breaks, right? Uh, And then you have a birth in the flesh. We have to be human beings in order to be saved. That's what it boils down to. We have to be alive as human beings. Ephesians 2 tells us, while we might be alive in the flesh, we are dead in the spirit. So that being born again is the second birth, and that is that we go from being physically alive but spiritually dead to being physically alive and spiritually alive. That's the that's the second birth, that's what being born again is. Now, so when when uh, Jesus said in verse 3, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, that's what he's talking about. We have to have been quickened spiritually like it talks about in Ephesians 2. Ye who were dead in your trespasses and sins, hath he quickened together with him, uh, and I can't remember the, the rest of it all of a sudden, but Anyways, we have to be quickened by the Spirit, made spiritually alive in order to be saved and one day spend eternity with Christ. So that's the Spirit and the flesh. So, interestingly, there are two births available. There are also two deaths available. Every single human being that lives, except for the those who would be raptured out of here, I suppose, which I don't know all of how that's going to work, but those who live on this earth all die a physical death. It happens. Just like we have a physical birth, we have a physical death. This body eventually gives out. There comes a point where we breathe our last breath, where this heart stops beating. That happens to every single human being. Well, once we die, our soul goes somewhere, our soul and our spirit. It either goes to hell, where it awaits the final judgment, or it goes to heaven, where we are with Christ until the resurrection. And then we'll be with Christ for all of eternity, but understand there's some other things that take place in the future. So if we are Uh, So all those who are in hell at the great white throne judgment, their souls will be cast into the lake of fire where they will be in torments for all of eternity. So it's like this. We have a choice. One birth receives two deaths. Two births will receive one death. If we've been born twice, we will die once, the physical death but we'll live for all of eternity with Jesus Christ. If we've only been born once, the physical birth, we will die twice, the physical and the spiritual. I pray everyone here has been born twice. If you haven't been born twice, you can be born today, born again today. So Acts chapter number 16, let's look at this passage here. Acts chapter number 16, verse 25, we see... another scripture where some people get saved and then get baptized. Verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, so they're in prison, just so you know, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house do we see baptism in that verse we see no baptism in that verse is there baptism in this passage well let's read a little further and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So, once they were saved, once they believed, they were then baptized. That's where we get the name believer's baptism. We believe first, then we're baptized. Why get baptized? Back in Acts chapter number eight. We'll look here quickly. Verse 36 and 37. It says, And as they went on their way, they came and a certain water, unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So why get baptized? Well, first off, because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, because of our faith. And what about Jesus? Well, in Mark 1, 9 through 11, it tells us that Jesus was baptized. (coughs) Mark chapter number 1, you can turn there if you want. Mark 1, verses 9 through 11. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was baptized. We are in like fashion baptized the same way that Christ was. It's an act of obedience to Christ. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So after we have taught the gospel, those who receive it are then baptized. And then they are taught to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. They're disciples. So we have the Bible teaching this process. Believe, baptized. So we've talked about this a lot. It comes after someone believes. But let's look at one other passage on this. Acts 10. Acts chapter number 10. Just a couple pages over from where we were. So God gives Peter a vision. Peter is an apostle to a specific group. Do you know what that group is? The Jews. Peter is an apostle to the Jews. I had to double check, make sure I said Peter. So. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Right. So, interestingly, God also told, well, Christ told Peter, who is God, he said, I'm giving you the keys. And whatsoever thou shalt, I can't remember if he does bind first or loose first, but I think it's bind. Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, something like that. And in having given him the keys, he was the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. And he's the one that God gave the vision to first go to the Gentiles and bring the gospel to them. So in Acts 10, 34, he's received the vision, struggled with it because he didn't think he ought to go to the Gentiles, but God made it clear, so he goes to the Gentiles. We have verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know. He's speaking to Gentiles, remember, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the (coughs) baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, "...who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but, into, no, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead." And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. We're going to look at just a few more verses here. While Peter yet spake these words. Now understand it wasn't just Peter that was concerned. It was the other Jews who were his companions that were traveling with him. What are we doing going to these Gentiles? Verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. All right, so the Gentiles are now receiving the Holy Ghost. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, Then answered Peter. So how did they know that they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Because they heard him speak in tongues. Remember who the gift of tongues was for? Who requires the sign? The Jews. Who needed to be convinced that these Gentiles were truly saved? The Jews. So we see how this all is playing out in front of our eyes. Verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? When do we receive the Holy Ghost? When we get saved, right? Not before, but we received the Holy Ghost as soon as we're saved. If baptism was necessary for salvation, they would have had to be baptized before they received the Holy Ghost. But they didn't. They, were, they believed, they received the Holy Ghost, and then in verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So we see this process happening and how it all works. All right. I've got notes here, and I'm kind of just rolling with this. I'm not really paying too close attention to my notes, but I also don't want to miss anything if I think it's important. We know that if salvation required baptism, then, uh, then salvation would be by works. And we know the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's not by works. I told you we were going to look at this, but jump with me over to Romans chapter 6. Baptism is for identification. We identify with Christ when we publicly demonstrate what has taken place inwardly in Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's our picture. The death, the fallen back, the burial under the water, and the resurrection being raised to newness of life. In Acts 2.41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So after the people on the day of Pentecost were saved, they were baptized and they were added to the church. So baptism is necessary for church membership. We are baptized because we want to follow after Christ, much like the Ethiopian eunuch. We just want to be obedient to him. Our last thing, and we'll be done, how are we baptized? Well, jump back if you're you're away from it to our Acts chapter 8 passage. Acts chapter number 8. Verse 38 and 39. Whoops, I'm oh, it's right here. How are we baptized? It says, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now I know I've already kind of touched on this, but this is a biggie because of there's so many that believe, don't believe in immersion, they believe in sprinkling or pouring. So it says they went down into the water. It doesn't say Philip went down with his bottle, or his canteen, or his whatever, whatever those things, little leather pouch, or with his pot, or with his cistern, or anything like that. It says they, that would imply both of them, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, went down into the water. So this phrase down into is used a number of times in the scriptures, and uh, we'll look at two of them. And that's all. Genesis chapter 12, this is the very first time that phrase is used in the Bible. I do like to sometimes go back and look at the first time something was spoken in the Word of God. Many times, not all the time, but many times it gives us some clarity. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse number 10. Excuse me. It says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So, you know, we don't think when it says that he went down into Egypt, he went, just put one foot in Egypt and had one foot in wherever. You know, we don't think that. We know he went into that country all the way in. Because it says he sojourned there. So that word sojourn speaks of temporarily residing, a temporary residence there in Egypt. So he went all the way in. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, if you jump over here. Proverbs chapter number 18. And verse number 8. It says, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So, someone asked if we were going to baptize at the 40 foot depth. We're going down into. Th- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we won't get down to 40 feet. But uh, you go all the way in. It, you know, it's speaking there, and it talks clearly about the depth of that. There are other passages in the scripture use the same phrase talking about going down into a pit, talking about going down into a garden and when it speaks of going down into the garden it actually talks about how they were going down into the garden to look at the vines and to check how fruitful the trees were and to see all that. Like you don't go, to, you don't go down into a garden and examine all that stuff from a distance. No, you're all the way in. So we understand what that means also says they had to come up out of the water. In the Mark passage of Christ's baptism, and straightway coming up out of the water. Same thing over in Philippians, uh, sorry, in Acts. So we see all these things, we see the consistency of the Word of God, and we see what it actually means. It's talking about being fully wet, being baptized, getting all the way in. Um, so, wrapping up here, there's a lot of tradition around the doctrine of baptism. Uh, One of my favorite instances, actually the painting on the wall back there is Daniel Merrill, who was a Maine pastor down in Sedgwick, Maine. And he was a congregationalist. And he was talking to some young folks in his church, and they challenged him on uh, on the doctrine of baptism and why he sprinkled and didn't immerse like the Baptists. And they said, you know, we've never seen in the Word of God where sprinkling is the biblical mode for baptism. So he set out to study it. And he worked hard at it. He took two years of studying his Bible. I'm sure it didn't take him two years to come to the conclusion. But he took two years, so he was quite thorough in this study. And at the end of the two years, he preached a seven-part series on the mode and subject of baptism. And he became a Baptist and the majority of his congregation became Baptists, and they were baptized down there. Uh, So, you know, it's biblical. And our goal, our desire is to be as biblical as possible. So, I pray that there was some clarity in this message, and that if there was any confusion on what baptism is, on why we get baptized, or how we get baptized, my prayer is that we have uh, some clarity in that now, but particularly for those who are going to be baptized today, if you have any questions, I'd encourage you, feel free to come and ask me a question before we get this all, get through everything today. And if you need to be baptized, feel free to ask uh, or talk to me about that. I mean, we couldn't do it today, probably, but if not, uh, we can at some point. So. Anyways, that's what I have for today, the doctrine of baptism. Next week in Ephesians, we've spent several weeks preaching through the home. I was going to move on from this passage. I'm not preaching on the home anymore for now. But the passage in Ephesians 5, the end part, talking about marriage and the husband and wife. You know, I got some folks, some good friends of mine that don't believe that the church is the bride of Christ. I believe it is. And we're going to look at that passage, and we're going to look at some other scriptures, and I'm just going to show you why I believe biblically that the church is the bride of Christ. Um, so that's what we're going to do next week. That's what I spent several hours this week working on, and uh, but the Lord led a different direction today. So we will talk about the church being the bride of Christ. And you know there are some, there is a particular, I think, beautiful picture out of the Old Testament that depicts. This whole thing. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's in the book of Ruth. And we're not going to go into great, you know, I'm not going to do a study through the book of Ruth, but we'll look at it briefly and look at that picture. And boy, it's just something we don't want to miss. So I'd encourage you if you can be here next week for that, we'll, we're going to look at that. But let's go ahead and pray. We'll fellowship for a little bit. Hey, I've been preaching long lately. This is actually pretty short this morning. So, uh, We'll have hot food this afternoon, but I'm just kidding. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can understand truth through studying your word. And Lord, I know we did jump around quite a bit today. I know I went through some things. Maybe I went a little fast through some things. Um, Lord, I pray that we understand uh, what <laughs> we need to understand about baptism. What it is, why we do it, and how we do it. And Lord, if there are any questions from especially any of the folks who are getting baptized today, I pray they'd, they'd be comfortable to pull me aside and ask me uh, their questions so I can try to help them, Lord. I just pray that you'd bless all that we are doing today. I pray that you would be honored and pleased and glorified And Father, we just thank you for the many blessings you give us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He's the reason for all of this, Lord. He's the reason we're here. He's the reason we assemble. Every time we assemble, he's the reason we preach your holy word. He's the reason we're going to have some baptisms today. Lord, he's the reason that we are saved. And I pray we don't forget the importance of our Savior. Lord, I just pray you bless our day. Before we close the prayer this morning, Is there anyone that would slip their hand up and say, Pastor, I can't say for certain that I have ever been born again. We talked about it for a little while. You must be born again. If you're here today and you'd say, I know I've been born physically, I'm here, but I can't say I have ever been spiritually born. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I need to trust Christ as my personal Savior something that's neat about that passage we see one of the reasons why using a King James Bible is so important. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, singular, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, plural. Except a man be born again. Individual. He, the individual, cannot see the kingdom of God. We see this switch between plural and singular. Everyone must be born again. But it is an individual choice. Every single person has to choose to be born again, to trust Christ as their Savior. And it is an individual decision. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you can get it settled today. And I'd encourage you, if you stick around, feel free to pull me aside. I'd happily show you from the Bible how you can know you're saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in the scriptures. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to know and understand what we're doing today as we go and have these baptisms. I pray you bless the food to our bodies next door, bless the fellowship, and I pray you'd give us a great day with your people, uh, worshiping you and and fellowshipping with one another. Lord, I just pray you bless all the things that we've got remaining for the day, and we pray again that you would be honored and pleased in all of it. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all you do in Jesus' name.